What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to a Maps Step Back podcast. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam. I spaz like Dallas, said that I'm rapping, God. If Luca shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking hats, dang, go relax. Still at a champ, defense still coming with the gallon. Let's flow, the man's the best on the All right, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Mavs. Step back. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co-host and Sports Illustrated Dallas basketball colleague, Matt Galatson. Uh, we've got a return guest. Our buddy Skin Wade is with us. Skin, how are you doing tonight? Gentlemen, I am doing fantastic. Things are good when the Mavericks are good, and I think we have a good team this year, boys. Absolutely. It uh you know, they they had a huge, huge win in Denver. Uh, it's always a tough place to play. I always—I don't know about y'all, but every time the Mavs play in Denver, even before the Nuggets, you know, were good, became good again, every time they play in Denver, I get just really weird vibes uh, when they play up there. And it's probably the altitude, and uh, it's tougher for players to play up there. But for three quarters, it was a really, really weird vibe, and then they got things going in the fourth, and. If you would have told me before that game that Luka was going to score 12 points, KP was going to score 10, and they were still going to win that game, I would have, I would have had a hard time believing that. But it was just a great, great team effort. Yeah, yeah you know, and I think, I think one of the things that that game last night underscored is that this is a really good basketball team. We have spent so much time focusing on those other two guys, and even when those other two guys aren't playing well, they still matter in such a big way that other guys can thrive. But with all this conversation about, well, who's their third best player, I think what we're kind of seeing through four games is who cares, right? right. Um, it, it's There's a lot of really good players on this team that all have different roles, that all play well off of each other, that that's only going to get better and, and further cemented as the season goes on. So, I mean – it's really, uh, it's really, really encouraging when you step back and go, man. They were one questionable uh, referee challenge away from being four and zero. So this has been a great start, for sure. Yeah, and uh, the one thing that that really stuck out to me, you know, Luca, that was. I'm not going to say that was his worst game, but it was probably up there for whatever reasons. He just didn't seem to have it, but. You know, watching Jalen Brunson take over the way he did, you know, leading that second unit and uh, getting them back in the game and uh, their first lead, well, they, they went up on a Powell free throw at the very beginning, but then they lost the lead and then their, their, the next time they took the lead was in the second quarter. And Jalen Brunson got a rebound. He was going down court and he threw an absolutely beautiful bounce pass to Justin Jackson in transition. 
that put them up by two. And, you know, when I, when I see stuff like that, it just gets me really excited. And <laughs> I mean, I, I'm already a big Justin Jackson guy, but I, I'm, I've been really high on Brunson too. And I mean, year one to year two, he, he looks like he's really improved. Uh, he took advantage of his opportunity when Berea went down last year and seems to have held on to, uh, you know, those minutes and I, I'm curious to get your your thoughts, Skin, and then uh, I'll get Matt in here too. But, I mean, how big do you think Brunson's going to be for this team this year from what you've seen so far through four games? Well, I, I thought that, uh, first of all, he's been great. And I know a lot of the talk was that, you know, Brunson's had a great summer. And I think, you know, your, uh, your, your Twitter-focused, uh, cynical sports fan is like, well, what the hell does that mean, you know? <laughs> Well, what happens is, is, you know, these guys get together in late August and September, you know, especially now you look at how international team like the Mavericks, you know, is they, they go off in all these different directions and get back together and they're playing together. And so the people that were saying Jalen had a great summer are his teammates and the coaches when they, because like, for example, you know, the, all the talk about the trip to Miami, a lot of the coaches went and watched all that. Right. So that talk wasn't manufactured by some PR firm. That was guys that were there seeing him and they're very high on him. And I think through, you know, a week and a half or whatever, however we've been here, I guess it's just been a week now. Uh, we, we've seen that. And so that's a, that's a positive. And you know, that, that growth is, is very apparent, you know, with Luca so much going through him, I think that you, you look at Jalen and I think the stretches where you've seen DeLon, mostly in transition, they have three really, really good play, one exceptional playmaker, and then two really good playmakers to go along with him. And I think during his stint here before, there's times where Seth can operate effectively in a pick and roll. So now, and then we haven't even mentioned JJ yet, who will be utilized at some point this season uh, as he continues to work back from the, the Achilles issue. Um, so, playmaking is not an issue uh they've got a lot of it and even if one of those guys goes down they still have a lot of it so i think that's a really great development that uh you know i think last night on the post game show i called it understated excellence right there's you know he doesn't jump off the screen at you but he just consistently makes play after play after play uh that that are winning plays and it fuel runs and those kinds of things so uh, very early on in the year, it, it's exciting what we've seen from Jalen Brunson. Matt, what what did you think about that game last night uh, as far as how the Mavs won? And, I mean, what, what are some of your early thoughts from this 3-1 and one start? Well, I mean, just building off of what Skin said about Jalen Brunson, I mean, I'm just looking at his stat line here. Eight assists, no turnovers, 11 points, four of eight. I mean, that's super efficient. Um, and, you know, when he gets involved, and DeLon gets involved and, set, and all the playmakers get involved, it, it makes things a lot easier for guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, I mean, he was 4 of 6 from 3 last night. He was plus 23 at 14 points. Like, there was a lot of talk over the summer about, like, you know, there, there was a lot of, I guess, discontent about Tim Hardaway Jr. perhaps being a starter or whatever, you know, with, with the, you know, on social media and all that stuff. And you can see that when he doesn't have to, you know, take things into his own hands and create his own shot all the time, he can be an efficient player. He just needs the playmakers around him. And that's been huge for him already, you know, early in the season. And uh, it's, it really says a lot about the team 
you know, going back to just the win overall, that you know, nine guys in double figures. How many, you know, how many times have we seen even, you know, five or six guys in double figures for the Mavericks? It didn't happen very often the last couple of years, and to have nine guys do it, yeah, and I, that's, I think you know, that's crazy. If, if I remember correctly, too, I. I think I saw that Maz PR tweeted out that that was the first time that had happened since like 1986, I believe. So I mean, I was I was sitting there last night going, "All right, can I name those nine guys?" Because I was like 15 <laughs> when that happened. I'm going, "All right, we got Aguirre and Harp and Rowe and Brad Davis and Sam Perkins." And I mean, even like if you remember those teams well, you're sitting there after six or seven going, "Who the hell else had double figures?" Dale Ellis, my God. <laughs> So uh, it, it, it was extraordinary, and they had to have it because their two main guns didn't have it last night. But I, I want to throw something out there right quick uh, that, that I was thinking about as Matt was breaking down the Tim Hardaway Jr. scenario because nobody talked about him over the summer unless they were talk, talking about him as trade ballast, right? right? Well, if they can get rid of him or – well, the, the interesting thing about Tim Hardaway Jr. is if you just pull up basketball reference – he is an inefficient player. But one of the things about a quote-unquote inefficient player, you know, you have instincts, you have ability, and you have situations. And so Tim Hardaway Jr., if we're just look evaluating a basketball player, has all the tools to be a really good basketball player. He also, I, I put a lot of stock in these guys that have family members that have been in the league. Like even DeLon Wright's older brother played with the Heat, you know, we know about Jalen's dad. We know about Seth's family, uh, you know, and, and, and so the, those, those things matter. So Tim Hardaway uh, Jr.'s dad was a phenomenal player. I mean, that guy was freaking incredible. Had the most incredible crossover dribble you've ever seen. And so he knows what good basketball is. Not just because his dad did that doesn't mean he can do it, but the whole point is that he knows what good basketball is. If you go and look at his numbers – they're really bad and they're really inefficient when he's on crappy teams. Show me the guy who played on the Knicks the last couple of years that's putting up super efficient numbers. I mean, right. I remember when I remember when Monte Ellis came here. And because I've been doing this so long, I have a lot of friends that work at national publications and stuff. And I was, you know, really excited that we got Monte for the money we got him. And I'm tweeting about it, and they're sending me DMs like, bro, you are on crack. Have you not seen this guy? This guy is so inefficient. And I'm like, I don't think you guys understand what happens when you come off a Dirk screen. When you come off a Dirk screen, your life is different. Your options are different. The situation is different. And I'll be damned if you don't go back and look December of that year. You can go find five or six national articles about the reinvention of Monte Ellis and Monte's changed and all this crap. I'm like Monte hasn't changed. Monte's playing with Dirk. All right. You know, you don't have to like become a different person. Your basketball opportunities are different because right. you're playing with excellence. And so Tim Hardaway Jr. is in a different situation. The closest he's been to this is when he was on a pretty good Atlanta team. But he is in a different basketball situation. So Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't have to jack up bad shots on with poor spacing when three seconds on the clock. He's a dynamic offensive player. There's going to be times where he takes bad shots, and we've already seen it in four games, because you know guys that score in bunches and gunners, they put up bad shots. But it's not detrimental to the team. He's not operating outside of an offense and going rogue. He's a talented player. He's got the right size. 
He's got the ability to score, and he's also accepting what his role is, and I think he's going to be a really good player for the team this year. Yeah, and he's arguably the Mavs' best athlete. I mean, it's probably between him and Dwight Powell. Uh, You know, he's he's arguably their best athlete. Uh, To your Monte point, I mean, the same could be said for Vince Carter when he arrived. Yeah, yeah. Same same situation, you know, he played with Dirk and played with Carlisle, and that really, you know, changed the end of his career, in my opinion. So, I mean, I, I, I like having him on the team as a guy that, and I mean, my personal preference, I like him coming off the bench more because I think, you know, we have a lot of capable guys coming off the bench, but uh, sometimes it can get a little stagnant. And I think having a guy like that that can put up numbers as quickly as he can, I think he could, you know, be a really good spark plug off that bench. So, and you know, just talking a little bit more about Delon right here, Skin. I know you were, you know, really, really big on that uh, sign and trade over the summer, and I mean, you tried to tell people how good of a signing this was going to be, and uh, sure enough, I mean, through four games, he looks extremely good. He's averaging 11 points. Uh, four rebounds, four assists. He's got a, you know, four to one uh, assist to turnover ratio. I mean, he he's been really good, and he he's averaging two steals per game in twenty five minutes. So I mean, he's all over the place, and he seems like exactly the kind of player you want to have next to Luca. But I mean, you knew this was a good signing from the beginning. But I mean, how has he lived up to your expectations so far? Uh, he's he's been what I had hoped he was going to be, and, and he's had moments where he's exceeded that. And I and I think you know there's still just this gigantic feeling out period where you know as as I was looking at the lineups last night, for example, I was really surprised that he didn't start instead of Dorian because if you look at those three perimeter players for for Denver, they're six five guys, and I thought Delon was a better better matchup, but I think. Delon's enjoying coming off the bench right now because he's being used in, in a playmaking situation and it's helping him get into the flow. We'll see how it all shakes out. And I think we'll continue to see different starting lineups, but he, he fits a role. And if you look at it, I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he's like what four for six or five for seven from three or something like that. Yeah. Something he's like not, that. He, he's not going to shoot a bunch of threes but he's going to shoot good threes. And when he's not shooting threes, he's going to get steals and he's going to push the ball in transition and he's going to rebound and he's going to cover multiple different players. And there was a great moment last night where Porzingis had the ball kind of in the high post. And as soon as he caught the ball with his back to the basket, DeLon Wright's man left him from the corner. So DeLon cuts baseline and Porzingis finds him. He knows when to cut, you know, when we had Sean Marion here, different player, but he was excellent at knowing when to cut. Josh Howard used to be really good at knowing when to cut. And DeLon's got that ability. And he's also got the ability to rebound and push the ball and and, and really create transition and early offense stuff. So he, he's been what I had hoped and, quite honestly, uh, probably early on has exceeded it a little bit. And I think we now kind of see the vision. And I, and I get, you know, being disappointed when things don't kind of materialize the way you would dreamt they were going to materialize at the moment but i would hope that people that have watched this team for an extended period of time know that for the vast majority of situations and for the most part 
Donnie knows what he's doing. He's not a dumbass. He's not just signing guys for no reason. He's always got reasons for it. He always has a vision for things. He doesn't operate in a vacuum. He works with Rick and the analytics guys and Cuban. But the guy knows what he's doing. And so I think the immediate overreaction three days into free agency, people should know by now, these guys know what they're doing. If you look at where this team was two years ago and where they are now, good God, that is some really great free uh, front <laughs> office work. Yeah, and while look while while you were talking about the line a little bit there, I, I looked up the numbers here. But so far through four games, he's played a hundred minutes. Uh, he's gone seventeen of twenty six from the field, so he's shooting sixty five percent, and he's hit three of five threes. So uh, if you could get him to hit a couple more threes, and I mean he there's times where he's open and he seems a little bit hesitant, and I think you know the the more comfortable he gets playing with these guys. Uh, I think that'll change as the season progresses. But like I said, you just have to love what you've seen from him so far. And, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better start. I mean, I guess, like you said, it could be 4-0 for the Mavs. But, I mean, they're 3-1, first time that's happened since the 2014-15 season. And uh, they got the Lakers coming up this weekend. It's a nationally televised game on ESPN. Uh, the Lakers are three and one as well, I believe. And skin, I mean, what 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 do you what are you envisioning for that game, and what do you think their chances are of you know going four and one? I like their chances for the simple fact that I think the Lakers are trying to figure out who the hell they are, and I I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I believe they've won games against Memphis and Charlotte and. They did not look good. They had great stretches, but they didn't look good overall against the Clippers, in my opinion. I, especially in those late-game situations, man. Their spacing sucked. Yeah. Um, so I think they're trying to figure out who they are. Uh, Danny Green was obviously a huge signing for them, and I know Mav fans wanted him. I definitely wanted him. He would have been great here. But um, uh, I, I think this is a good time to catch them because I don't think they know who they are yet. And – it is so weird to me that they're playing so much LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, and their man, Frank Vogel's like, where's my Roy Hibbert, I guess. I don't know, but that is, uh, that's certainly a little, and maybe it has to do with Rondo being out, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I like getting them now. I like it because I think they're going to be damn near unbeatable by the end of the year, but uh, I, I don't, I go into games now like, dudes, they wanted Denver last night. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought Denver was going to be the number one or number two seed in the West. Not the best team, but record-wise. And so you tell me that they went to Denver and won on the road with their two best players scoring under 30 points combined, that's a great win. So I think your expectations going into the Laker game should be, oh, yeah, Ma- Mavericks are a playoff-caliber team playing at home. Lakers aren't the Lakers yet. So I expect to get a win on Friday night or at least – I expect to have a really competitive game and a chance to put yourself in a position to win that game. I'm not intimidated by the Lakers. Yeah, and I think you have a couple things working for you, too. One, you know, like you said, you're back at home. Two, I don't think that Luka and KP are going to have back-to-back games like, you know, they're not, I don't think they're going to have a second consecutive game like they did in Denver. And I saw that Kyle Kuzma is going to be back for the Lakers, so they'll be working him in. Uh, you kind of saw how the Mavs, when you know Dwight Powell, that was his debut against the Nuggets, and 
I mean, he, he did okay uh, coming back, but you could tell it just kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of jumbled them up a little bit. They they were kind of out of sorts in that first half, and I don't even think he played in the second half. So uh, I think all of those things factoring in, uh, I'm pretty optimistic about it. And then, I mean, when you look at the Mavs' schedule, you know, going forward from that Lakers game, it's really not that hard. I mean, they... They play at Cleveland after the Lakers game. Then they've got Orlando. They play the Knicks at home. They play at Memphis. Then they go to Boston. And then after that, it's KP's return to New York. So, I mean, they've got a really good chance to stack up some wins here early on. Matt? Is it okay? Is it okay? Wait, is it okay before Matt jumps in here? Is it okay for – is it too horrific to go, I'll be disappointed if they lose more than two games in that stretch? No, I mean I, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm very optimistic about you know where they could be after the, let's see one two three four five six seven that's seven more games. So let's see nine. That'd be twelve and three. Yeah, that, that I mean that's about what I'm expecting, and that would be I mean, a, Matt, that would Matt, be amazing. Matt, isn't it clear? Matt, isn't it clear that me and Dalton are the biggest homers in town? <laughs> I mean, it, it's a little close. I think Dalton has a slight edge on you. Um, I, I, I got him that Irrational Confidence Guy t-shirt a while back. But, <laughs> That's a nice gift. But it, this season is really, it's it's definitely exceeding my expectations. I mean, I, I, I didn't buy a lot of the hype over the summer. I mean, you guys follow me on Twitter. I was disappointed with what happened. Um, you know, as a lot of people were, but... I, I've been pleasantly surprised by a lot of these guys. And one of the things we talked about over the summer was the beginning schedule. Because the beginning schedule, you know, for the first, I can't remember if it was 18 or 20 games, was, you know, it, it, it was, I don't want to say easy, but it, it was it was a gift, you know, when we saw that. It was, it was, you know, oh my God, we actually have a chance to get off to a really good start here. Because it, it, in the second half of the season, it gets a lot tougher. So they need to take advantage of it, and they've done it so far. You know, last year there was—I mean, I can't tell you how many games that you know that they they should have had, and they didn't end up getting because you know there was a lot of imbalance and and you know different things going on and and whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. But it, it looks like when when a team like this has a way of overcoming adversity when their best players aren't playing well you know that's a special team. So I, I, the fact that they did what they did against Denver and the, how they almost, you know, um, or, or, and what happened with Portland, even though they were playing a team that was in the Western Conference Finals and they had you know, the, the Western Conference Finals experience, you know, that was going up against a couple of two young stars and Luka and KP, they went, you know, blow for blow with those guys. So I, I'm really excited. I, I, it, you know, y'all are picking 12-3 and three over the next few games. You know, I, I might go thirteen and two. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I might beat, I might beat y'all on that because I, I really like when I what I've seen so far. And it, if they, if they're, it's just if their best players aren't playing well and they're still doing those kinds of things, you know, who can't they beat? Right, man. That is that is the Balcones talking, and I like it. I say drink more of that. Hey, you, you, so you're bringing up this concept uh, that that I think really really matters for this team about why we can kind of look a little deeper at last night's win with KP. And by the way, KP rebounded his ass off and, yes. and Lucas still, still, they, they create issues, you know, even when they're not scoring with spacing and things like that. But 
one of the, there was a moment in the first home game that just really stood out to me. Do you guys remember? Because I don't know if this made it onto the broadcast or not. Do you guys remember when Tim Hardaway Jr. challenged? I think it was Bradley Beal's shot, and he went down and he turned his ankle. Yes. <laughs> okay. So he he turns his ankle and he's laying on the floor, and the first person that was down there to help him up was Luca, who had been on the bench and his entire and he had put all his sweats back on. He beat down the guys that were on the floor. He beat Casey. He beat any of the trainers. He ran down there, even though he was out of the game and sweats that to check on Tim Hardaway Jr. And I know like a lot of people think, all right, you're overrating that thing. I'm not. I'm telling you, when you see guy, I mean, I, sitting next to Derek Harper 40 times a year at least has really opened my eyes to paying attention to guys on the bench, how they interact with one another. You can find out so much about a team watching them during a timeout. Right. And that is an example of, you know, those guys went to Miami, the way they talk about one another, the way they vibe. I mean, you, you see the pictures before the game where they're, I mean, there is a togetherness there. And part of it is, you know, their future is bright and they're the same age for the most part. And the old guy is Berea and Berea's got a great relationship with Luke and Porzingis and they speak Spanish together and they really, they look at Berea with respect and reverence. And of course, then the next most tenured Mav is Dwight Powell, who is probably about as great a human as you'll find walking planet Earth. I mean, he is freaking unbelievable, just as a person, caliber of character in those things. And don't forget so, about Boban, too. I mean, he's... he's... Oh, my God. That's, that's <laughs> no, no, no. No, you're right. So, like, think about Luca and Sala's relationship. It was really good, right? Yes. The problem with Sala, who I really liked being here and I think, you know, had a good role, is that when Sala didn't play, you could feel his negative energy because he wanted to be in there and he was disappointment and you could feel his disappointment. It was tangible. It was palpable. That will you will never feel Boban Boban's disappointment because he doesn't let it infiltrate the locker room. He knows what his role is. He's comfortable with his role. And if he doesn't play, he will not pout or be unhappy. I'm not saying that is a bad thing about Salah. It's not. Guys that want to compete, they, they want to be in. But there's ways to go about those things. And when we signed Boban, I talked about this on the Ben and Skin show, and we got a lot of cynical texts and shut up you Homer and all this stuff. But <laughs> that stuff matters. When you have to spend every, every working day around a negative person, that negative energy affects you. And so when the people around you are all pulling together, no matter what their role is, that matters. And so when we signed Boban, there was a guy in the organization that called him a locker room stud. And I had never heard that phrase before. But what was very evident is the Mavericks were saying, we acquired a guy that serves a role. It's a small role. But man, the intangible part of his character and his energy is going to be felt all throughout the locker room. And so all of those things work together. And so what happens is everyone pulls in the same direction. Everyone believes in one another. And so when people on the outside go, oh, my God, Luca and Porzingis had less than 30 points combined. There's no way they win that game. That's not the way that the people in the locker room feel because they right. feel like they're all – one team that they're all trying to do something together and believing in one another and i know that this sounds hokey and corny and some of those things but just my experience in being around teams is that that stuff 
absolutely matters, and I think we saw it last night in the Denver game. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like we've been talking about, when we found out about the, the Miami trip, uh, we we were glad to see that happening before training camp because obviously you, you want to get a head start. There's so many new guys coming together. You want to see them start to build chemistry as, as quickly as possible. And then, so I mean, we kind of got the, the good vibes going early there. And then, uh, Skin, I don't know if you saw it, but we, we had Mark Cuban on a few weeks ago and – he even, I mean, he, he reiterated that everybody on this team loves each other and that that yeah, was, that, yeah, and, that's that, great. and that that was going to be, you know, that was going to make a big difference. And, you know, that was right before the season started. And now here the Mavs are three and one, and you can definitely see it on the court. And another, another encouraging sign early on, you know, it's only four games, but they've won both of their road games. And, you know, last season they went 9-32 and 32 on the road. So, I mean, if if you could just go, you know, 500 on your road games or, you know, even if it's a little bit under that and you play good at home, I mean, that that's probably going to get you into the playoffs. So, that, yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good thing to see early. Matt, you have any other thoughts on this opening stretch? Well, just it's just another thing about continuity to me is through the first three games – I mean, so you you would argue that d- that the Denver game, you know, that was probably the worst game they've played out of the four games, and they still won it, right? So the fact that they haven't had Dwight Powell and they still have played that well over the first three games, I think speaks a lot because once he gets into the lineup and starts doing his roll into the rim and all the different things that he does to, you know, with his energy and getting to the basket and whatnot, that's just going to open up so much more for everybody else because Maxi. Maxi can roll. He, he's you know he he's done it a few times and it's you know pretty effective. But Dwight is probably, I mean he's one of the five best rim runners in the NBA. You know that's at least my opinion. So when you put that with this you know and helps space all the other guys out with Luca and KP shooting and and Curry and whatever, the offense is only going to get better from here as as Dwight starts to play more. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I think that he's kind of this this last key that's going to it's going to turn and unlock something else in the offense and we could start seeing some really really special nights. Yeah, and, uh, through four games we've had four different starting lineups now and I wrote a piece uh for mavssi.com this week earlier this week and you know just from what we've seen so far I mean in my opinion my ideal starting lineup just from what we've seen would be Luca Seth Curry, DeLon Wright, KP, and Dwight Powell, you know, once he's back to 100%. Uh, to me, that would be the ideal starting lineup at this point. Now, I know, you know, Rick, he's, depending on matchups, he might continue shuffling it. But as far as consistency and getting off to good starts, I, I feel like that's going to be their best bet uh, going forward. I don't know. Skin, what do you think about the starting lineups? Yeah, I, I like that too. Um, and obviously, you know, there's going to be different matchups where you would change it. Um, I, I say, I'll, here's what's I, I am a huge Dwight Powell fan. And, you know, I think even just go back and watch the first minute and a half of that game last night and look at the floor and just you can see the benefit of Dwight Powell being on the team. And obviously, his energy is relentless. But I don't know how you keep Maxi Kleba off the floor in important situations. He is far and away 
our best all-around defensive player. And I, quite frankly, don't even think it's close. I think Dorian's in the conversation. I think DeLon's in the conversation. Maxi Kleba had a game-saving block last night. Yeah. Maxi Kleba had three blocks. Maxi Kleba keeps guards in front of him. Maxi Kleba is a bad man. And, you know, I we all know the incredible value of Dwight Powell. But, man, in those tough situations, if, he, if he's 100% healthy, it's really hard for me personally to keep Maxi Kleba off the floor. That guy does a lot for this team. Yeah, he's really good. And that, I mean, that Denver game, you look at the performances from DeLon Wright, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Maxi Kleba, all those contracts are looking very, very good for the Mavs right now. God, uh, no doubt. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, everything is – I actually have a question for Skin here going off of that. So what what would you do then? I mean, what would you do down the stretch? What what is your what is your clutch lineup? Because without you're sacrificing offense for defense there with with Powell and Maxi and you know, there's there's give and take, but you know, what would you do in that situation? I personally think it's it's going to depend on who's playing well that night, and I'm not trying to give you a cop-out answer. It's going to depend on who's playing well that night. It's going to depend on who is healthiest that night. It's going to depend on a foul situation, right? If one of those guys has four fouls and the other guys has five fouls, I think that matters. Um, but my opinion, and it's I think it's negligible, but my opinion is that what Maxi gives you on defense as an all-around defender is slight is uh, he gives you more as a defender than Dwight gives you as an offensive player. If that makes sense, the difference in Maxi and Dwight offensively is less than the difference in Maxi and Dwight defensively. Right, and so. I, I think when you're trying to sit there and figure out this now, if, Hey, if the other team here, here's another interesting thing. Uh, like if the other team is like, okay, think, think about Denver with Paul Millsap as their four, right? Who do you, who do you guys think is better to cover Paul Millsap, Maxie or Dwight? Uh, Maxie. I agree. Yeah. And so, and think about those moments last night where, where, uh, Paul Millsap killed you with untimely offensive rebounds. And I also think that there's a chance that Rick would look at that and go, I'm playing Dorian at the four. So a lot of it is going to come down to, you know, what is that other lineup out there? Because I think there's a lot of times where and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some times where actually Porzingis is on the bench for critical possessions down the game because they do want the defensive presence out there although Porzingis is a great shot blocker but there, there's going to be there's going to be some tough decisions to be made uh you know based on what the other team is rolling out and going okay what's my best offensive lineup you know I need to have Porzingis out there and guys we haven't seen Porzingis yet healthy and by healthy I mean with his legs under him and his wind and all those things right the Kristaps the, the Porzingis we are going to see in three weeks, we're going to compare that to the Kristaps Porzingis we've seen in these first four games and go, holy ass, that guy's a monster. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. I mean, it, and he's that's that's the thing. He's already been so good, you know, as as is right now. And even when he's not scoring or he's not being efficient, he's doing a lot of little things. Like, even if he doesn't get credited with five blocks per game, he's challenging and, you know, 
making people miss shots just with his length. So he may not be credited with the blocks, but there's at least five, six shots a game that he's altering. And just touching on Maxi real quick, and then we'll move on to our next topic here. But the thing that stands out with Maxi, he's always going to be a great shot blocker, uh, but his rebounding has almost doubled from last year through four games. And, I mean, we'll see if he can keep it up through the rest of the season. He's playing seven more minutes per game. But that's been the biggest thing to me. He's averaging eight rebounds a game right now. And for a team, you know, coming into this season, that was going to be one of their biggest weaknesses. Uh, you know, they've, they've held their own there. And it's been, a, it's been a team effort, and it's been great to see from him so far. That, that, was, that was a really big thing about the DeLon Wright signing, too, is that you can roll out a lineup that's the best rebounding backcourt in the NBA outside of Russ and Harden if you want to go Luka and DeLon Wright. Right. And I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a fantastic rebounder. And Kristaps is big enough to be an effective rebounder. He was an effective rebounder last night. And so they, they can put lineups out there to where rebounding will not be as big of an issue as I was thinking it was going to be going into the year initially. I, I agree with all that. Well, one thing's for sure. I mean, it, everything's good in Mavs land right now. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. You know, there was a lot of hype before the season, after this opening stretch. I mean, that's even that's even more so now. And I can't wait to see what they can do against the Lakers on national TV this Friday. But, uh, Skin, we're going to go into our last topic here. It's not basketball related, but we know you and, and Ben have started a brewery. Uh, roll, <laughs> roller town beer works yeah. and i mean we we've got to get this you know this startup story we've got to get the details on how this came about and you know where you guys are at right now and i mean what what can we expect from all this okay i'm so happy that you asked me about this because i love talking about this because i'm so freaking excited about this this has been in the works for about i don't know i guess a year and a half now and it's a it's a bunch of different forces coming together. It's me and Ben, and then it's some really great guys that are from the Salina Frisco area, like five generations of being in that area. That that they had the building and they they have a construction company, and then there's also a marketing component of this, which is actually Ben's brother and Bren, uh, Ben's sister-in-law, Angela and Jonathan, are really brilliant people. And we've all come together and we've been working towards this and we're going to open our doors in January and we're going to be right off of the downtown square in Salina. And eventually we're going to be in this uh, 7,600 square foot cement building that's 100 years old. And back in the day when the railroad was coming through Texas, towns, if the railroad didn't come through your town, that was a problem. So Salina took their most important buildings and they put them on these on these rollers and they used a steam engine to roll the town to the railroad. Nice. So that's why it's called Roller Town. And that building is right off the railroad. And uh, we're in a temporary location right behind it so we can get beer out to the people. We're going to be opening the doors in January. And our head brewer is a total badass. It's a guy named Tommy Miller. And he's worked for some great breweries in town like Steve Ellum and Lakewood and Noble Ray. And I'm telling you, he's a monster. Like, I can tell you, I can say, uh, hey, Tommy, we need something like this. He's like, oh, I got something for you. And he'll brew it up. He's like, holy <laughs> mother, this guy's incredible. And so I don't want to give too much away, but I will say this. We do have a beer coming out when we open in January called the Big German. 
Oh, man. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. It is, gentlemen, it is a golden, easy-drinking Kolsch with minimal hops and a smooth finish, just like your favorite big German. And I'll tell you another thing. He is aware of this beer, and he loves the idea of it. Man. So we're going to have a beer that all Maverick fans are going to want to drink. I can promise you that. Uh, we're going to have a great selection. I am really, really proud of this. We've been putting a lot of work in on it. And when we open the doors in January, uh, we want people to come on out to downtown Salina and drink our beer. And we'll drink it with you. And I just really, I can't freaking wait. Thank you so much for asking me about that. Definitely. I mean, it, it sounds really awesome. I, I know y'all have put a ton of work into it and, I can't wait for you guys to, you know, see the results of that hard work. And, I mean, we've seen – we're definitely going to have to steal a couple of those hats from you too because those things are nice. We- oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, man. We're going to – we'll for sure hook you guys up. You guys have been down since day one. But, you know, we're proud of the uh, – and this is where, you know, Ben's really good at marketing, but his brother and his and his uh, sister-in-law are just brilliant at it. And they're the reasons that we got involved with Balcones in the first place. They're the ones that – you know, uh, put us up on Balcones. And so, uh, I think probably in the not too distant future, we'll have some Balcones barrel aged stouts coming your way. And, uh, just, we, we've got an incredible mango habanero Saison that I'm proud of. We got some great IPA selections. Um, just, man, I'm, I, I can't, I really truly can't wait for people to get to drink this beer. Uh, we, we've, uh, had some samples at the Salina Oktoberfest and people were loving it. It was just such a great vibe, and it, it really just got us even more excited that we knew what we were doing and that this was going to be something that people were going to be willing to throw down with us. So I tell you what, we should have a big um, a big party at uh, at Rollertown, maybe get all the local podcasts together, all the Mavs Reddit people together, and just do a big giant salute to the Mavs and imbibe uh, together. I think it would be a hell of a lot of fun. Man, you if, if we can make that work and we can do it, uh, let's do it on a Saturday, and I will make it a point to drive out there and be at that. That, that sounds like Come a good time. Come on with it. Let's <laughs> do it, boys. Let's make it happen. Matt, any other thoughts for Skin here before we let him go? Well, I, I mean, I'm super excited about the brewery, obviously, because I'm a big beer guy. Um, but, you know, I wanted to tell you, Skin um, – I mean, obviously, you're the ones that turned us on to Balcones, and I've been sending Dalton bottles uh, in Mississippi, and I want you to know that I've also turned my dad and my brother onto it, so now my whole family is a Balcones family, and and it's it's just, I've found places around town that have it, and I give it, to, you know, I, I tell my friends to order it, and they love it, so it, it's just, it's, you guys are, are true alcohol aficionados, and, you know, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna trust your word from now on. Anything you say is good. I, I believe you, and I'm gonna go with it. Man, I, I love hearing that. Now, I want to ask you what your favorite is, but before you, you tell me, I want to say something. So, uh, sometimes I can come off as a snob. I'm not proud of it, but it's the truth. And so, when Jonathan was telling us about Balcones, I was like, "Man, I'm not crazy about the Texas whiskey scene." Maybe I'm being, you know, I'm kind of a Kentucky bourbon guy and I need my Blantons or my Basil Hayden. And, uh, you know, sorry, I don't want to be snobby about this. And he was like, John, Jonathan's known me since I was 12 and he was, you know, eight or nine or whatever. And so he was like, no, no problem. Let me tell you a little bit about it. And he started telling me the backstory of the, of the company, the distillery of the head distiller, Jared. 
And I was like, okay, I can really appreciate that ethos. I can, I can get behind that. And then when I tried it, I was like, man, I should know by now. I'm an old man. I should know to judge something before I have it. And when I, and now you guys know, cause you've had it, you know how truly exceptional <laughs> it is. Uh, so I, I you know, you're, you don't get too old to learn the same lessons over and over, I guess. Maybe that's just stubbornness, but what, what is, uh, so far, what is y'all's favorite? My mine is is the rumble and oh nice yeah and I mean I I mean I'm I'm not I'm not really picky but I mean you can ask Matt I mean ever since I got that that's that's pretty much all <laughs> that's pretty much all I want from now on that's um, kickass what about you Matt um well so before before I tell you that I, I want you to know that uh, I'm actually going to a bachelor party this weekend in Kentucky and I'm going on a bourbon tour so if you have any pointers please let me know. All right, well, I've got, here's what, here's what, wait, here's what you need to do. What you need to do, have you had many conversations with Scott Tomlin, uh, head of Mavs PR? No, but I need to. All right, Scott Tomlin is, is an American badass. He went to the University of Kentucky, and he will give you great advice. I've had some fantastic whiskey conversations with Scott Tomlin. He's a great dude in general, but he knows his whiskey. So before you get out of town, shoot him an email, because I know you get Maverick emails. Shoot him an email and said, Skin said I should ask you where to go during uh, my trip to Kentucky. And you will be, uh, he will give you so much good information. Yeah, I, I, met I, Scott, I met Scott in New Orleans last Friday. He is such a good dude. He's a wonderful person. Um, okay, but so right now I have six bottles of Balcones in my house. Somehow. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> Uh, I have uh, the pot still bourbon, which I just finished, and that's that's probably my favorite. Uh, then True Blue is right up there as well. Those are probably my two, you know, big ones. And I have I have Rumble, and I have the single malt, and I tried the Brimstone, and that thing is just a flamethrower. So it's it's a, <laughs> it's a little bit harder for me to drink. Um, and then I have the just the Baby Blue as well. So um, I've got a pretty good lineup. Uh, I want to tell you a super quick story, and I'm probably butchering this, but this will tell you about how amazing Ben's brother Jonathan is. And let me tell you, too, uh, as badass as he is, his wife's twice as kick-ass. She's the baddest baddest person in our crew. She's amazing. But um, so uh, when there was like kind of a quote-unquote bourbon trend, and so, you know, Jared, the, the, the head distiller there, was a little averse to going along with the trends. And he's like, I don't want to make a bourbon just to follow the trends. They don't want to make something. They don't want to sell the most whiskey. They want to sell the best whiskey. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so Jonathan had this conversation with Jared and he was like, wait a minute. He's like, you need to think back to when you were first getting into distilling and you need to think about what you and your friends could afford and what you would drink. And so the idea was man, make a bourbon that we can do at a nice price point that's not overly expensive but is an excellent bourbon that you would have loved in your early days of exploring this to get at that price point. And that was the inspiration behind the pot still bourbon. So the fact that you love it that much I think is awesome because it's, it was kind of Jonathan's you know, vision to we need something like this because this is what our customers would want and this is what they would expect. And Jared like immediately got it. Like he connected with that idea and he crafted the pot still bourbon. And now you can attest just how great it is. So I, I, I love all the little stories that go behind it and why, 
you know, a distillery as great as Balcona is why they do the things that they do. Because you don't just you don't just make the beer or make the whiskey or make the vodka and just throw it out there. You gotta, you know, uh, the thing that, that Balcona says it's distilled to appreciate. And so what you want is you want to make something that people can appreciate in a way beyond just, oh, I just drank that. What's next? You know, you, you want to have something that people are invested in and care about. That's what we want to do with Roller Town. That's what the Balcones people do. And, uh, I mean, I think you guys are living, breathing, uh, you know, Balcones disciples, and you understand what's great about it. So I, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, and, I mean, Skin, uh, we always appreciate you coming on and talking Mavs with us, but – we also love it because we can talk about this kind of stuff with you too, and we, we have a great time doing it. And uh, we just want to thank you again for you know spending some time with us tonight talking about all this. And uh, we hope you're ready to see how the Mavs do in this upcoming stretch. So, again, just want to thank you, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, sounds good, boys. Take care. Thanks, Ken. All right, guys. Again, that was our good buddy Jeff Skin Wade. Always love having him on the pod. That dude has some really good basketball insight, and we always have fun talking about other things as well. Uh, Guys, be sure to subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to find us on YouTube. It's Mavs Step Back Podcasts on YouTube, and be sure to subscribe there. Uh, Subscribing automatically enters you for a chance to win two tickets to a Mavs game of your choice. Uh, we're, we've got nearly 400 subscribers right now. The goal is, is 1000 so we can start doing some YouTube live stuff. Uh, so as long as you're one of the first 1000 subscribers, you're entered for a chance to win, you know, two tickets to the game of your choice. So the sooner we get to 1000, the sooner some lucky winner will get to win those tickets. So be sure to go there and subscribe guys. We appreciate it. We hope you have a great rest of the week. We hope you enjoy the Mavs-Lakers game on ESPN this Friday, and we will talk to you next week. Y'all have a good one. Uh, a lot of times feel like I was on the road to nowhere. Tell me why all these people up in my face acting like I know them. Feeling like Luka Doncic, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest. God speaking through me every single track where I fit like Moses. Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses. Feeling like Mavs 2019, grinding unfocused. I used to go to bed at night, this current so hopeless. Went through the same pain, my friends chose drugs to cope with. Now I'm reading all these hate comments, man, it got I'm in motion. I had to whip up the potion, I ain't need with the boasting. I was just broken, way down to my lowest. Getting swallowed by them locusts, letting God do the coaching. I had to go through a lot, just to realize that I'm chosen. Carried away, felt like boulders, all of those slams shut. Had to bulldoze them, name a rapper dude who can see me over wax. I'm just trying to spit the facts. Way I spit my flow, people telling me relax. I just get it double back, I just get it double back. They still ask for more and I gave them my last. Can't never seen to let go of the past. And that's sad, uh, I just sit back and reflect. Oh my God, they really feeling the kid. Family calling on the phone, almost a star. True, look what you did. About to put silk right back on the grid. Go kill a beat, they go listen to trick. Turn on my phone and I listen to Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.